The Holy Gospel of our Lord, according to Luke. Glory to you, Lord Christ. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, for forty days being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days, and when they were ended, he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. And the devil took, devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time, and said to him, I will give you all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered him, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And the devil took him to Jerusalem, and set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you. And on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, It is said, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Please be seated. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Our Lucan pilgrimage and our Lenten pilgrimage are joined together today as the Holy Spirit leads Jesus into the wilderness, immediately following his baptism in the Jordan. The wilderness, the place of encounter, the place of purification, the place of testing, the place of transformation. It's in the wilderness that Jacob wrestles with the angel of the Lord. It's in the wilderness that Moses encounters the holy presence of God in a bush that's aflame but not consumed. It's in the wilderness that Israel wanders for 40 years, coming out of Egypt and into the promised land. It's the wilderness that Elijah travels across to encounter God at the holy mountain. And even Paul, after he encounters the risen Christ, goes into the wilderness to be with God. Jesus goes into the wilderness led by the Spirit, and he fasts for 40 days. 40 days. A reminder of the purification of the flood as waters came down from heaven for 40 days and 40 nights. A reminder of Moses' 40 years tending his father-in-law's sheep. 40 years of Israel in the desert. 40 days of Elijah's journey. 40 days of our own wilderness in the season of Lent. You'll notice some of that wilderness that we remember in our worship. As we take most of the vestments off the altar clothed in penitential purple, as we bid farewell to the Gloria and to the Alleluias. 
We heard the invitation to transformation in this wilderness. On Wednesday, as we invited you into a holy Lent, to the practice of self-examination and repentance, the practice of prayer and fasting and almsgiving, the practice of reading and meditating on Holy Scripture. I wonder, in this season of Lent, where is the Holy Spirit leading you? Luke writes that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. You know, the devil is crafty, but he's not terribly creative. In fact, I think that Satan is as predictable as a Hallmark movie. The temptation of Satan always begins with a question of identity. The very first temptation is Satan comes to Eve in the garden and says, you eat this, you'll be like God. Adam and Eve, created in the image and likeness of God, are already like God. Satan tempts them by challenging their identity and their understanding of it. He comes to Jesus in the wilderness. If you really are the Son of God, a challenge of identity. How does Satan tempt your identity? What trigger does he use? If you really are wanted, if you really are loved, if you really are enough, if you really are worthwhile, if you really are. And yet scripture tells us who we really are. See what kind of love the Father has given us. That we should be called children of God, and so we are. Period. Full stop. End of discussion. And so we are. We are beloved children of God. Do not let Satan or anyone else tell you otherwise. And Satan keeps using this same old trick because we have such a hard time believing what is really true. And once we start questioning our identity, Satan moves into the ways we try to find our identity apart from God. You know, perhaps it's not so much Satan who is predictable as it is we who are predictable. John the Elder writes about the things that tempt us when we turn to the temporal rather than the eternal. He writes, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but it is from the world. And the world is passing away with all its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides the desires of the flesh. Jesus is hungry and Satan tempts him. Go ahead. Turn stone to bread and satisfy yourself. But there's nothing inherently wrong with bread. In fact, Jesus would feed thousands with only a few small loaves and some fish. The temptation here is to seek physical comfort and security apart from the will of God. 
to close ourselves off from community out of fear and selfishness, to refuse the mission of God because it makes us feel uncomfortable. The desires of the flesh are manifest in our desire to be satisfied. The desires of the eyes. The devil took Jesus up, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. All that you see, I will give you if you simply bow down and worship me. The desire for power and control, the desire for success, the desires of our eyes are manifest in our desire to be seen. In the pride of life, at last, Satan takes Jesus up to the top of the temple and says, if you really are somebody, if you really are the Son of God, if you really are important, throw yourself down. Let the angels catch you and bear you up. I think this is one of the most insidious of temptations. It's not usually as extreme as throwing ourselves off the temple, but more like, if you just compromise here, if you bend the truth just a little, nothing bad will happen. You know, and social media feeds this temptation. That little dopamine hit we get when someone likes our post. If you feed on anger and fear instead of love, you'll get more likes. If you show a little skin, if you become an object rather than a person, you'll get weeks ago, the Wall Street Journal published a very troubling article about TikTok and mental health in young women along these lines. I'm not sure that mental health is terribly far from our spiritual health. I think in our time, the pride of life is manifest in our quest for fame, our desire to be someone. We're tempted by Satan as he questions our identity and targets our weakness. So how are we to respond? Jesus gives us the template. It is written. The word of God says we respond to the lies of Satan with the truth of God. Not the wavering subjective truth of the world around us, but the truth that is found in in Holy Scripture and revealed by the Spirit of God. When we submit ourselves to the truth of God, James tells us, we resist the devil and he flees from us. You know, we have the full canon of Scripture to draw from, and I encourage you to read the Scriptures and meditate and see the way that God calls us into our identity as beloved children and fulfills our desires to be satisfied to be seen and to be someone. You've probably also heard it enough from me to guess that the place that I would start is in the Psalms. The Psalms invite us to take the full range of our emotions, our insecurities, our doubts, our fears, our questions, and our deepest desires into the presence of God. In the Psalms, we find that it is God who satisfies. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. 
He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. It is God who can satisfy. We find that it is God who truly sees us. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down. You are acquainted with all of my ways. God sees us. We find in the Psalms that it is God who makes us someone. You formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's wombs. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. You know, it's one thing to give intellectual assent to an idea and call it truth. But it does not become a lived truth, a matter of faith, until we act upon it. God has given us ways to live in faith, to practice our identity, to practice who God is, to practice putting our trust in him and allowing him to meet all our needs. Let's briefly look at some of these. We'll look at tithing and Sabbath and silence and see what they have to teach us about living in faith. First, tithing. In tithing, we learn to act in faith, trusting in God to satisfy our physical needs, intentionally remembering that all things come from God. This is the discipline described in our reading today from Deuteronomy. But you know, it's unfortunate that our contemporary church as a business model, our capital campaigns and our consumer culture has turned tithes and offering into the way the church is funded. We've lost the truth. The truth that God funds his church, not you or me. The truth that the tithe is more about me than about the church, than about the mission of God. The tithe is about my spiritual health. The tithe is an act of living faith in reliance to God. We give not from our excess, but from our need. We give to the point that we wonder, how am I going to make ends meet? And we trust that it is God who makes those ends meet. We learn to trust God to provide. We learn to trust God to satisfy. Similarly, the discipline of the Sabbath, a day in which we rest and delight in the Lord instead of working. The Sabbath is a time to set aside our desire to be seen by the world, our desire to be successful, our desire to be powerful and important to people. As we keep Sabbath, we learn to be seen by God. Finally, the discipline of silence teaches us to be deeply known by God. The psalmist teaches us, for God alone, my soul in silence waits. From him comes my salvation. He truly is my strength and my salvation. He is my defense so that I shall not be greatly shaken. It is in silence that the love of God teaches me that indeed I am someone. 
And so, as we walk in our Litman pilgrimage, let us not be distressed by the wilderness. Let us remember that the wilderness is a time and a place of encounter, of purification, of testing, and of transformation. And let us be wary of the tempter and all his tricks. Let us hold firm to the truth of our identity as beloved children of God. Let us hold fast to the truth of his promise and the glory of his kingdom. May we be led by the Spirit and know that it is in God alone that we are satisfied. It is in God alone that we are seen. And it is in God alone that we know that we are someone. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.